This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view. This is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. Seated by my side, as always, is Eric Eggers, who's an author and vice president here at the Government Accountability Institute. Now, Eric, uh, we've previously spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about various forms of social media on this show and how they impact and affect elections, our politics, our national discourse. We've talked about TikTok, for example, about how, how China regulates its use far differently than how that Chinese company actually allows it to operate in the United States. But today we're going to talk about a form of social media that's probably more age appropriate for us. Uh, let's see, for you, given your boomer status, I'm going to say that's a Polaroid picture. <laughs> you know, you get it out, you flap it around, you have to wait for it to develop, it spurs conversation. Right. How do you think it looks, that's guys? That's the original Facebook, let's right? Let's wait to see. I don't know. <laughs> well, we're actually going to talk about the modern Facebook, not the Polaroid version, um, because there's some very interesting news surrounding Facebook. As the founder, Mark Zuckerberg, claimed on Joe Rogan's podcast last week that they were told by the FBI that the Hunter Biden story was likely disinformation, and that's why they made the decision to, quote-unquote, modify its exposure. Yeah, I'm glad that we've saved this, by the way, because I think normal people are listening like, wait, Schweitzer's talking about social media? Like, normally he's pretty expert, but really, like, is it a MySpace episode? But in this case, it's actually going to be about uh, two things that we do and you do know actually quite a bit about, because not only have you written numerous books on Hunter Biden, but we actually have produced a film called The Creepy Line, which is yep. available on Amazon. And I, for whatever reason, Amazon seems to be liking it now because it's showing up in like the currently added stuff on nice. Amazon. I know. I think it's like Jordan Peterson's back. Like, oh, it's, it's got Jordan Peterson in it. That could be Forget it. about Schweitzer. They got this yep. Jordan Peterson guy. No, but um, I mean, and so in that film, we talked about the profound and immense power social media platforms have to influence lots of aspects of American behavior, not the least of which are its political behaviors and elections specifically. Right. And so one of the things that Zuckerberg said, and I think this is a really big deal on the Joe Rogan podcast, is he said, quote, we took a different path than Twitter. Remember, Twitter like totally killed the story, they, they right? Killed it completely. It's not going yep. anywhere. 
He said, basically, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like, uh, you should be on high alert. Then there was the, and he says, we thought there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election, so we have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of a dump of, you know, similar to that, so just be vigilant. Now, that's his explaining how- What he claims the FBI told him, because yeah, the FBI says something tightly, slightly different, and we'll get to that later. We, we will get to that later, but it's also, he's, he's now sort of- profoundly backing off of well just how much was eh, it wasn't really censored <laughs> you know it's kind of modified it's, right. a, it's a lessening of it uh, but you, know, you could still share it if you really like you know we're in korea or something i think right is what he says. right yeah. right exactly exactly and this is what's really important about this story it's the 2020 election but it's a larger issue that i think is so proudly and profoundly important for the future of the country and that is I'm old enough to remember when people talked about elections and politics, the mother's milk, the thing that mattered most was money and the influence of money in politics, right? Whoever raises the most money is going to win. That dynamic has changed. The lifeblood today, I would argue, is the ability of campaigns or candidates to have social media or media corporations manipulate what people actually see and can't see. And that, in my mind, is a lot scarier than the problem with money. Why? Well, if a candidate takes a bunch of money, it's disclosed. You know who gave it, you know how much they gave, you know how much went to the pack, you know how much went to the super pack. Literally it's, a paper trail. Exactly, exactly. There's a paper trail. When it comes to this, you've got Zuckerberg now, two years almost after an election, saying, yeah, we kind of decided we were going to turn down the volume on the story. And of course, most people, as we've talked about before, get their information from social media. So this is far, you could raise a hundred billion dollars for a campaign and run all kinds of ads. But if you've got Facebook and Google deciding they're going to tamp down a story, it's worth far more than a hundred billion dollars. And we don't even really know it's going on until far after the fact. And oh, by the way, like you could conceptually raise a hundred billion dollars in dark money and you know, with Citizens United, like there are some things you can do, but there's also rules against certain things, right? right? right. And so the point is, this is ap operating in an extra legal outside the bounds because of there's no disclosure. And it's not a typical political contribution of some variety. Exactly. So, so it, is, it is this new weird thing. And oh, by the way, I mean, I think the point that it's two years later is a great point. It's also it's two years later. And it's based on this sort of flimsy. Well, the FBI, like at some point said something about Russia and something about like, and according to the FBI, there's like, well, no, technically to be very clear, uh, what we said is we routinely provide entities a, a potential threat information, but quote, cannot ask or direct companies to take action on information received. So the FBI is like, nah, bro, we didn't yeah, do that. Yeah. And, and, and Meta, which is of course now what Facebook is called, responded to that on Twitter and said that the quote, the FBI shared general warnings <laughs> about foreign interference, nothing specific about Hunter Biden. And this is the problem because they are being selective. If you look going back to the 2016 campaign and forward, there was a lot of misinformation that came out. Some of it from foreign sources related to Donald Trump, related to Republicans, maybe related to other campaigns. They chose not to censor that. It's the selective nature of this and the fact that basically one or two people, meaning Mark Zuckerberg and the guy who actually turns down the volume, so to speak, are the only two people that really need to know about it. That's what is so tremendously uh, frightening about this. And even though Mark Zuckerberg now says, oh, it was a mistake. And Jack Dorsey, the CEO and co-founder of Twitter, made the same comment. It was a wrong decision to kill the story. 
it's too late. Where's the recourse for the American people? And this killing of this story had a material effect on the campaign. It absolutely did. As you pointed out, the New York Post did a poll and said that four out of five Americans who've been following the Hunter Biden laptop scandal believe that, quote, truthful coverage would have changed the outcome of the 2020 presidential election, right? Just 11% think the story was created by Russia. So like a Eighty percent of the people think no, this is the legit thing, right? Right. Ten percent of the people are like, uh, maybe not. And so, but the reality, and this is to your point. So, Facebook's a private company. Like, like I, yeah. you know, we both have used Facebook. Um, I think there's a lot of generally positive social purposes it can serve. Yeah. Its job is not to decide elections. Right. But it's that's essentially effectively what it did by proactively deciding not to include the information because what it did is it kept Americans from deciding for themselves how big of a story it is. Two years later, like, no, I think it's a big deal, but they weren't given the option to make that decision at that time. Yeah. And what they're essentially saying is you, the American people, we love you. You're our customers, but you're too damn stupid to be able to tell whether this story is truthful or not. So we're going to make that decision for you. Uh, and this goes to the heart of a topic we we discussed in the Creepy Line, mm-hmm. the documentary available on Amazon, free of charge if you're a Prime member. But it's this debate about what actually is Facebook, what is Google, and what they will tell you for regulatory purposes is we're just a platform. We're not a publisher. We don't have editorial control. We're a platform. You know, Bob Smith in Iowa City posts something and his high school friend in Texas responds on Facebook. So we are not a publisher. We are simply a neutral platform. This story, the killing of the Hunter Biden story, clearly shows they are a publisher. Somebody posted something they thought was interesting based on a New York Post reporting, maybe based on our reporting related to Hunter Biden. And they purposely said, guess what? We're going to make sure nobody sees it. And just to be a little bit more specific, what that means is in terms of they're making intentional decisions about what content is and is not displayed on their site. They're not content agnostic, despite what their claims to be. And this story is an example of that. And so if they're a publisher, why does that matter as opposed to just being a platform? Well, it matters because the uh, decency, the computer decency law that was passed, I think it was in 1998, uh, section 230, if I remember. What correctly. a flex. Yeah, Y'all heard go, that? going back, I, I've, I've still got it. I've still got it after all these years. Uh, we made that film, by the way, what was it, four years ago? I mean, that's the thing is that it came out in 2018. And so right. it's just interesting, like, you know, once again, you're, you know, you just like ooze prescience, you know, yeah, well, I, I, we, I, you know, we, it's a team effort, but you're right. I mean, it's amazing, but section 230 of the, um, act that was passed, I believe in 1998 gave, uh, tech companies exemptions from liability laws if they are neutral platforms. In other words, and this makes sense, right? If you are truly a neutral platform and somebody posts something in a comment section and says, this person raped me, um, you know, you shouldn't be able to sue the company that has, because they don't control what kind of comment a person puts up. So if you're a neutral platform and and that's simply your purpose, it makes sense. The problem is that, that if you are not a neutral platform, if you are a publisher, if you are a newspaper, if you uh, run a website, if you have a podcast like we do, uh, we are a publisher, so we can be sued. If we accuse somebody falsely of committing a crime, we can be sued. So this distinction between a neutral platform and a publisher is profoundly important. And basically what Facebook has done is they've been able to play both sides. 
Regulatory wise, they say we're a neutral platform, but they're actually functioning like a publisher. And the point that we make in the film is they should have to choose. Either you stop censoring and and editing content and you are a neutral platform, if you're going to continue to edit and make these distinctions, you are going to put yourself in a position where you are legally a publisher and you should be you can be sued. But here's the irony, and it actually sort of speaks to the genius of the current arrangement, right? Right. Because by being by acting as a publisher as they did in fall of 2020 and effectively suppressing the Hunter Biden story, which, oh, by the way, to show you, I mean, the real crime of it is it's not so much that they suppressed it, is that they got it wrong, right? They said if, if it had been disinformation, no one would be upset about this, right? but they got it wrong. And we have, you know, we'll tell you just how wrong they got it based on the reaction of Bill Maher and even NBC News. But what's really clever about it is by getting it wrong, but by acting as a publisher uh, in favor of a political regime who's now in charge, right. what are the odds that they will now be penalized and you know have the laws changed right. to make them now treated like a publisher when they're acting as a publisher actually benefit the people that now would make that decision? That's right. Facebook has huge regulatory issues that are sitting on Capitol Hill that are going to be dealt with at the White House by the Biden administration. They did an enormous favor for the Joe Biden campaign. Is it really fair to expect you're going to get accurate regulatory treatment by the Biden administration on this, I would argue. And by the way, I would say all you need to do is go look at the role that Mark Zuckerberg played in the 2020 election. We've talked about the hundreds of millions of dollars he put out there for voter registration that was heavily concentrated in precincts that benefited Joe Biden. Or if you look at the campaign contributions of other uh, executives at Facebook, heavily skews towards Democrats. So the notion that, oh, well, we just tried to make a good faith effort here is, in my mind, ridiculous. And just to carry it forward, what do we think the odds are that they act as a completely uh, content neutral platform in the 2024 election, given that that's potentially, I mean, yeah. it is on the table as one of the very real consequences and stakes for companies like, like Facebook moving forward. I mean, imagine what happens if, let's say, a Ron DeSantis gets elected president, who's already come up with this, the Florida version of a law oh, saying, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. these companies have to be regulated. Like, we, you know, it's unclear they actually have they the authority to do that. They do not want DeSantis in the White House. Oh, no, absolutely not. They don't <laughs> want Trump in the White House. I mean, they don't want a Republican in the White House, right? What? And that's the, the very genius decision, because typically Republicans have been the pro free market. Hey, we're going to leave companies alone, right. and so that's why these tech companies are like. Well, what if we heavily favor te you know the Democrats because the Republicans they have this kind of internal compass that are going to keep them away from wanting to regulate us anyway. Right. The Democrats are the ones that tend to go anti monopoly, try to you know break these things up, and so uh, it seems like they're actually threading the needle quite effectively. Yeah, no, no, I think I think they absolutely are. And look, the bottom line is if you look at the history of Facebook getting involved in censoring content. Um, it always seems to skew one way, mm. right? So they didn't censor a lot of content uh, during the Trump administration when it came to Russia collusion. There were a lot of in, false stories. In fact, Zuckerberg just reiterated it, right? He reiterated it on the Joe Rogan podcast. Well, there's a lot of Russian disinformation out there in 2016. Right. The implication right. being that disinformation that benefited the Trump campaign. So yeah. it's fine to say that. Yeah, but but there was also, as we now know, China and Russia in 2016, they were playing both sides. I mean, they were putting out just because a lot of Russia's efforts in the disinformation front is to just sow dissent in the United States. They want to amplify uh, conflict. So they didn't censor those stories. Then you look at the issues related to COVID 
Um, are they censoring all the alarmist stuff? Remember, there was a, a story that the Trump administration was going to shut down Washington, D.C., declare martial law. That was an absolute hoax. They didn't shut that down. Uh, and yet when people lays, raise questions about the vaccine, about the shutdowns, that's censored. So the problem is, for me, and I think any objective observer, when Zuckerberg and Facebook decide to censor and intervene, it always favors one political side, and that's the political left. So the notion that they're trying to do their best, they're trying, is just completely ridiculous. And the recent comments by Bill Maher, who is pretty liberal guy, uh, sort of indicate that that there's been this huge shift on Hunter Biden. It's two years too late, but it's still important that that people are calling this out. Yeah, here's what Bill Maher had to say on his show Friday night talking to Rob Reiner. The question is, was, was it appropriate to bury the Hunter Biden? You're talking about the press doing the, that? He's saying that's what they did, and that is what they did. They buried the Hunter Biden story before the election because they were like, we can't risk having the election thrown to Trump. We'll tell them after the election. Well, and, and we know for a fact that that's what they did? Of course. You no, don't but follow I mean, this. Saying you you gotta... know for a fact that that's what they did? I don't know what they did. I know, because you only watch MSNBC. No, that's not true. <laughs> Well, then you would know about this. I do know about that. Well, you're acting I do, like you I know. Do, I do know about that, and I do watch Fox. But the point is, uh, you, you, we're going to prove now that they, that they that the, the press uh, play, you know, tried to. They're admitting it. They're, the that's press not is a, admitting it. Yes, that's not even an issue anymore. They're saying yes. We basically did this because we didn't want this to throw the election. Well, so Bill Maher made these comments, and I give him credit for doing so. He's from the political left, uh, and it, it really is remarkable how uh, Rob Reiner failed to uh, respond to that effectively, because most people, of course, on the political left are happy that this large corporation, Facebook, with all kinds of regulatory matters in front of the federal government, decided to kill a story that, at least based on some polling, would have made a huge difference in this election. But it's not just Bill Maher. Actually, NBC News has done the same thing. I mean, they basically admitted that this is an important major story two years after the fact. I know, and I, I just want to let you know, I really struggled to talk about this because I know it's a really sore subject for you. <laughs> because, because, because on the one hand, I think it's probably validating, but on the other hand, it's got to be super frustrating because, Very like, frustrating. because you and uh, the people that worked on this book, Secret Empires, and you've been reporting on Hunter Biden for a long time and um, t with absolutely no help whatsoever from the mainstream media. But this is the modern context of the Hunter Biden story. Then you talk about like what the context of the Hunter Biden story was when it came out in 2018. Yeah. But now NBC News, in, in the story about the Mark Zuckerberg appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast, adds this context to it. It says an NBC News analysis talking about the Hunter Biden laptop the iCloud account and documents released by two Senate committees showed Hunter Biden and his company brought in about $11 million through his roles as attorney and a board member with the Ukrainian firm accused of bribery and his work with a Chinese businessman accused of fraud. So that is now a permanent part of what the credible uh, established Hunter Biden record, but that has not always been the case. No, it hasn't been in the case. And, you know, look, again, I give credit to NBC News, but they're... I mean, but do you really? No, well, I mean, I... They, well, no, I don't. No, admitting... just to be very clear. <laughs> I hate NBC News. <laughs> they're, they're admitting something and they're really doing it to cover their ass, right? That's the reason they're doing it. At least they're admitting something. A lot of these news outlets are just pretending that Hunter Biden's not really a person yeah. and that this is really not a story. So give them credit, but it is cover your ass. And it's part of the frustration. By the way, you know he's really upset because he's cursing, guys. This is not, a, you know, <laughs> Peter Schwartz is a very family-friendly author. 
and he's now it's PG thirteen. I do get exercised about. This. I know. Wait till I go R, then then we're in big trouble. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I mean, the frustrating thing here is with NBC and with Facebook and with Google. It always skews in one direction, right? They always censor the stories that benefit one political side, whether it's the lockdowns, uh, whether it's the Russia collusion story that was out there for four years. They never question that story. They never challenge that story. And in the case of the Hunter Biden story, again, it's not like a couple of schmoes just started putting stuff up on Facebook and saying, ooh, look at this document. This was reported by us. First in 2018, it was never challenged by any, by the Biden campaign. It was just ignored. And then in 2020, the New York Post actually did reporting on the laptop to verify its authenticity. And Facebook just decided, we don't care. We're deciding as a tech company, we don't like this story, so we're going to kill it. And the American people ought to be outraged because this is where elections are going. It's not about who's funding them. It's not necessarily about who's the most qualified candidate. It's about who has the interests of these big tech companies that is basically covering their backs. And if you've got the big tech companies willing to censor these stories, that's worth more than $100 billion in campaign donations. No, it absolutely is. And it speaks to the larger issue. And this is actually something that we, we covered for the first time in the Creepy Line documentary that we're alluding to, which again is available on Amazon. Just how much power social media companies, specifically Google and Facebook have, there's no way of quantifying it because there's really no documentation. But because of, A, Facebook's ability to soft censor and control what you see and what you, more importantly, don't see, right? right? right. And oh, by the way, I think it's really important that like you alluded to earlier, but it's impossible to talk about Facebook's decision with the Hunter Biden laptop story in 2020 without considering in the context of everything else they did in terms of the election reporting, right? I mean, the, the, the hundreds of millions of dollars that they gave to essentially launder political activism through the local governing officials that, that, that conducted the local elections, that it operated as effectively a get out the vote effort for Democrats. Um, and then also the fact that they basically quashed any reporting on questions about election integrity after things were over and right. also established the, Hey, by the way, it's going to take a long time to get these election results. That means everything's, they conditioned the American electorate on the one hand, and they ended discussion and dissent after the fact. So all that's important context for this. Absolutely. But, uh, but Facebook's not the only one. Google may be equally as important because of what we talked about in terms of the search engine manipulation effect. Yeah. And this is uh, from the uh, Creepy Line film that we did uh, now, I think, four years ago. Yes. Uh, and so even though you're much better looking still, I don't like <laughs> we should redo it just because you're so tanned. I don't age. It's all the Diet Coke I drink. That's what it is, I'm sure. Uh, but there were some really shocking uh, statistics in that film. Uh, and these came as a result of academic research that had been done, the power that actually Google has. Uh, search engine manipulation effects is their ability to manipulate people's perceptions and the flow of information. A couple of facts that came out. Over 25% of people click only on the first Google result. So if you were to do a candidate assessment, they're going to go to the first one. The one at the top is seen as better. That's the one that's going to have the most influence. And as we pointed out in the film, Dr. Robert Epstein and others have done a lot of interesting research that demonstrates how Google benefits certain political candidates. Only 1% of people that use Google actually go to the second page. So again, you, you are relying on whatever you are exposed to first is being truthful. 
And if Google manipulates that, and it does, they have an ability to influence the direction that people are going to vote and in terms of the flow of information. So you've got now these two large corporations, Google and Facebook, you could to some extent add Twitter to that, that have an enormous effect and impact on the flow of information in the United States because most people get their information electronically now. That's absolutely true. And so that's why, you know, why we got old white guys like us talking about social media, because that's essentially how people, I mean, look, you listen to a podcast for God's sake, right? It's not exactly gather on the radio time anymore. Right. Things, things have changed. And these companies that are at the center and controlling the information uh, are, are clearly impactful, but they're also incentivized to maintain their power. And that's going to happen because of, I think, in some ways, their continued benefit and behavior that impacts uh, the current political regime, right? That's right. So it, so it doesn't make you like real optimistic that things are going to change anytime soon. It doesn't. They don't have any incentive to change. They're getting the leadership that they want. They're getting the elected officials they want, meaning the large uh, tech corporations, and they haven't faced any reverberations. They get negative press coverage. The bottom line is this becomes a selection process for how our leaders are vetted and how they are picked. And that should concern everyone. If you're listening to this podcast, I would argue you're probably a vigorous consumer of information, but most people are passive and they receive their information almost by osmosis. What their friends on Facebook are talking about, what they're finding on Google, and let's remember what they're seeing on Facebook and what they're seeing on Google is heavily influenced by the algorithms that these tech companies choose to use. Yeah, by the way, there's actually, it's, it's very insightful and there's statistical data that supports that. I think it's something like 40% of people of a certain generation believe that if a story is important enough, it will find them. They right. don't have to go find it. Also, whether you realize it or not, you just kind of low-key quoted Al Sharpton, like, we got C-elected, not elected. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's make Al Sharpton uh, a CEO of Facebook. That That's probably similar leadership that you'd have right now politically. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, we really do appreciate our audience. We also appreciate hearing from you on Facebook uh, and on our webpage. You can go to thedrilldown.com to uh, find the podcast and news stories related to the work we're doing and other information. And you can find the podcast uh, pretty much anywhere where fine podcasts are found. So thank you very much for listening. Until next time.